If you have your Bibles today, turn with us to Proverbs chapter 22. We'll be reading one verse there. Um, I don't know, is it your custom to stand when we read the Word of God? If, would you please stand as we read Proverbs 22, verse 6. Today I'd like to bring a message to you about in training. In training. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he or she will not depart from it. Father, we just want to thank you for this church. Lord, I thank you for Evangel and their work. Lord, I thank you for their pastor, Brother Jerry. Lord, I pray you'll bless them. Lord, as we focus our attention today to a special child, Lord, we know that all children are special. Lord, we know that this service is directed uh, at her family, but Lord, it could be directed to any family. So I pray today we would weigh our intentions, our desires in light of your word. Lord, if uh, someone else in this place today knows that their family is not where they need to be, I pray, God, it would be a day that they, they would be challenged. Help your servant. Hide me behind the cross. And Father, I pray when we leave this place today, may we say it was good to be in the house of God. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Rob and I walk in a cemetery where we're going to be buried. I actually have seven lots there. Seven plots. I, I can guarantee you I'm not going to be buried in seven plots. But we walk in that cemetery. We saw these kittens. Two of them were healthy and there was some other cat. And then there was a, a third kitten we didn't know about was in the woods. And, and, and the little kitten was about to, about to perish. So we came back the next day, and the three healthy cats had been taken. But this little, little bitty kitten, the runt, was about to perish, and so we took her home. We thought it was her. It was him. And we named him Lazarus because we got him out of the graveyard. Amen? <laughs> what an appropriate name. Well, last week, I got home and Robin was out in the backyard sitting in on the patio chair. And, and I looked and there was Lazarus, face up like this right here. My wife had him so tight that his eyes was, he looked like a Chinese cat. Amen. <laughs> I said, what is going on? She says, the cat's in training. I'm training the cat. And I looked at her arm and there were two streams of blood coming down her, coming down her, her arm. I said, what happened? She said, the cat bit me. And I thought, ain't he still alive? <laughs> hey, I hope that Barry and Jessica training of Darcy will not be so dramatic. But every parent here knows. Parents, you say amen if I tell the truth. There's going to be some moments. So that child need some training. Well, it's called baby dedication, but actually, it's really parent dedication. Barry and Jessica dedicated to training Darcy. But Darcy's not the only one that's going to be in training. Barry and Jessica will be in training as well. They're going to be trained about some things. They're going to be trained about schedules. The schedules change, don't they? 
they're going to be trained about love. I, I couldn't wait till my son and my daughter-in-law had a child because they could see what it's like to be a parent, <laughs> what it means to love somebody. And, and along with love comes this word, hurt. Along with that word comes grace and forgiveness, mercy, understanding. They're going to learn all these things, tears, joys, experiences. They're going to learn about needing assistance. You know, everyone has ideas about parenting. There was a lecturer who spoke on the Ten Commandments of parenting. He later married and became a father, and then he changed the title of his lectures to Ten Suggestions for Parents. Still another child arrived, and he changed his title to Ten Hints for Parents. And after the next child was born, he gave up lecturing altogether. Mark Twain had these words of advice for parenting. When children become teenagers, put them in a barrel and feed them through the knot hole. And when they turn 16, stop the knot hole up. When I last checked in the state of Alabama, that's not legal. When our first child was born, Laurie, the hospital gave us a steak dinner, Welch's grape sparkling juice. They gave us a case of Similac. Do they still feed babies that? Similac. They gave us some Johnson No More Tears shampoo. They gave us a box of diapers. They gave us baby powder. Uh, it almost was like they felt sorry for us. <laughs> I felt like I was being set up. You know what they didn't give us? They didn't give us a book on how to raise a child. But I'm going to tell you, the best resource book for raising a child is the Word of God. Aren't you glad we have the Word of God? Solomon writes the verse that we're going to be speaking about today, but collectively he writes more than any other biblical writer about raising children. I want to read one other thing that he wrote in the Psalms about raising children. He says this, Except the Lord builds a house, Psalms 127, Except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keeps the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hands of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed. They shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Some very powerful words are found in Psalms 127. Words like labor. We know about that, don't we, moms and dads? Vain. A favorite word of Solomon. He uses it 37 times in the book of Ecclesiastes. It means meaningless. Sorrow. Beloved. Children. Fruit. Reward. Arrows. Happy. Quiver. Enemies. All powerful words, but I want to draw your attention to one word that he uses in that psalm. It's the word accept. 
The word accept was a primitive negative. And in the context, except the Lord builds a house, and people will say, well, he's talking about building the temple. Well, I'm here to tell you, if it's the courthouse, God's house, my house or your house, if God is not in it, it's a meaningless thing that's taking place. A home without the Lord, forget it. You'll not have a home, you'll have a house. Hey, I'm going to tell you what's happened in America. God got out of the government. God got out of the church. God got it put out of the house. Hey, meaningless. Except the Lord builds the house. A safe city without the Lord, it's not going to happen. Barack Obama, Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton is not the source of our security. The Lord God Jehovah is. So a government successful without him, it's not going to happen. Except the Lord builds a house. See, the Lord wants to be involved in Darcy's life. He wants to be involved in your children's life. He wants to be involved in your family. He wants to work with you. But you have to invite him to do so. Three, three years ago, Rob and I had one of our men in our church. He is a master carpenter. Can I tell you about wood? Once we were doing a, a project for a, one of our ladies at a church, I cut one piece of wood. And you know what my deacons told me? We're going to limit you. This is not your expertise, Pastor. You... <laughs> The only thing you're going to be able to do is go get the coffee and pick up and clean up afterward. I, I didn't know anything about carpentry. Still don't. But Daniel Mann did. Hey, I told him one time, next to Jesus, he's my favorite carpenter. See, I didn't know anything about carpentry, but the pergola got built. Everything Daniel told me to do, I did. Go plug up that cord. I went and plug it up cord up. Unload that wood. I unloaded that wood. Go get us some dinner. <laughs> I went and got the dinner. If you come to my house, I'm going to take you out in my backyard. And you know what I'm going to say to you? Come and see our pergola, the one that Daniel and I built. Barry and Jessica, God wants to be involved in the life of Darcy. But can I tell you this? There's never been a perfect human parent, and there has never been a perfect child other than Jesus Christ. But God knows what Darcy needs, when she needs it, how she needs it. Amen? So work with him. Because except the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain. Our passage... Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. The word train has to do with desire. The word in the Hebrew described the action of a midwife. When a child was born, they would massage the palate right here with date juice, and it would create an intense thirst. 
parents, preachers, teachers, everyone who names the name of Christ should live in a way that it creates a thirst for God. Are you a thirst-making Christian? When people are around you, they want something that you got. If you don't get, have it, you need to get it. Psalm 78, 4 says, We will not hide from them and from their children, showing to the generations to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. Gideon's out there one day. The Midianites are ripping them off. Have you ever seen the Magnificent Seven? That's kind of like what they were going through. They would come and rob and take all their stuff. And, and so he's out there and he's stretching. He's trying to make a little living. And an angel comes and said, man, you're a mighty man of valor. And you know what he says? Mm, you got the wrong person. And he makes this statement. Why then is all this befallen us? And where be all the miracles which our fathers told us of? Parents, when's the last time you told your child or your teenager, or someone in your family, something that God did. I'm here to tell you, God is alive and well. He's working. He wants to work in your life. He wants to work in my life. You need to, hey, do this. In the morning, get up and get on your knees. I know, I know you're saying, you're a Baptist preacher, and you're telling us how we ought to do stuff. Listen to me. I'm not a typical Baptist preacher. There is something about getting on your knees. Do you know the word sometimes interpreted worship in the King James Bible is the word hava. It means to kneel before God. It's one aspect of worship, but there's something about getting on your knees and saying, God, I want to see you. Hey, why is all this befallen us? Because the people had got away from that. Hey, we have that problem at our church too, amen? <laughs> Matter of fact, we had a lady had played Auburn music two times Wednesday night. But... <laughs> hey, train. Create a thirst. Up. The word there meant to narrow or to govern, direct. There was a church in Southern California on, on the sidewalk. A toddler had got loose from this nursery. They were putting in new sidewalks. The cement was fresh. And, it, and this baby had its steps going up to the, the church. So the, the construction workers asked, hey, do we need to redo it? And then the pastor said, no. That's a great message in that. Start, start them young and headed in the right direction. That's what the word up meant, to garvin. To, to govern or direct, train up. A child, that has to do with duration. The same word, child, is a newborn all the way up to one that's of an age to be married. In 1 Samuel 4.21, the word was used for a newborn infant. In Exodus 2, 2 and 3, it's used to describe a baby that's three months old. In 1 Samuel 1, it's used of Samuel before he was weaned. In Genesis 21, 12 through 20, it's Ishmael as a preteen. In Genesis 37, 
It's a youth, Joseph, at the age of 17. In Genesis 34, 19, it's a young man of age to marry. Can I tell you today, we're to train up a child. But can I tell you, nobody here today is too old to learn a lesson from their parents. In the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, the transition between how we worship God and how we to get along with other people is where we're to honor our fathers and our mothers. Don't ever get so old you don't think uh, you can't learn something from your parents. Because you're in, you in serious trouble uh, when you get there. Train up a child. Then the next word is in the way. In the way. The word there, way, meant bent. Bent. You see, every child has his own bent. God is the one that wired your child up. In Psalm 7, verse 12, it talks about someone placing the, f- the force of their foot. If you've ever wired up a bow, you, you'll go with the curve of the bow. And you, you're working with the curve of the bow. And, and this, is, this is what the word means. That bent. So parents, you need to work with the bent. I mean, if, you ever, if you ever wired a, a bow up, you know what you do? You, you put pressure on it and you work with the bend. When you're working with your children, you need to know what God's doing in their lives. With Barry, our son, now I don't know if this is still true with him, He'd go to bed every night, and we'd have to tell him to shut up. He's in there singing. <laughs> Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. Barry, we got to go to sleep now, okay? <laughs> now, my daughter, my daughter was always secretive. You know what she did? Went into the military. Went in the military and was one of them double knot spies. Amen. <laughs> Barry has got a sister who was a double knot spy. Licensed to kill. She served in the military and they fly around. She was real secretive. One of my favorite movies is The Blind Side. In The Blind Side, Michael Orr gets in this controversy in the SEC. You know what the controversy is? that they had got him and recruited him just to play football. And so that becomes a point of contention between him and the actor, which was his mother, or or adopted mother. And so she asked him, she said, well, do you even like to play football in the movie? You know what he says? Well, I'm good at it. you got to look at your children. Don't try to live out your life. See, a lot of parents do that. They try to live out their life through their children. No, you need to let that child develop into what God has already hardwired them. Do you know that Abraham Lincoln's father thought that he was lazy because he read all the time? That's why the man was so smart, because he read all the time. Hey, we're to train up a child in the way. Do you know that the early church was called the way, by the way? The way. 
when, when Saul was getting letters that he might persecute those in the way, he's talking about those that were followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That is the most controversial right, verse in the Bible right now. Can I tell you this? He's still the way. He's still the truth. He's still the life. That's not going to change. I don't, how many, I don't care how many presidents you have go through Washington, D.C. Jesus Christ is always going to be the way. That was, he, he was God's only son. He's not a way. He's the way. It's a definite article. Hey, Jesus is the way to holiness. Jesus is the way to heaven. Jesus is the way to happiness. In the way he should go. A woman asked a psychologist what time was the best time? What was the best time to begin training a child? You know what his answer was? 20 years before that child was born. 20 years before Darcy was born. I'm glad to say this now. 20 years before she was born, more than that, I thank God that we would read to our son and sing Christian songs. We didn't, we didn't do everything right, though. I remember one night we was reading to Barry, and he wasn't paying attention. And we had read about the thief on the cross and his response to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom and what Jesus responded to him. And I said, Barry, what did I just say? Barry thought a minute. He was about four or five at the time. He says, he said, Today you'll be with me in Paris. I said, no, that's not right. <laughs> We're close. 20 years or more than that before Darcy was born, Dave and Danelle, I believe, had their child under the preaching and teaching of Jerry. I thank God for that. But 20 years from now, what's going to be going on is we desire that she'll be going the way she should go. Darcy, some of us may not be there. Some of us may not be there. But some of y'all will. You know what the Bible says? The reason we have to intervene, he should go, she should go, is because we have another bent, don't we? That bent is towards sin. The Bible says in Psalms 58, 3, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Solomon, who we spoke about a while ago, the rod and reproof give wisdom. This is Proverbs 29, 15. But a child, the rod and reproof, something you use. And by the way, can I demonstrate this? Y'all won't be offended. God put on every person right here. Posterior, is that what you'd say? <laughs> a place to, to discipline a child. Never use your hand. You don't want them to be afraid of you. You want to be afraid of the rod. Now, my mother, she could take a crepe myrtle and debark it in one stroke. <laughs> I wish she was here. Just, just like that right there. How many of y'all's mama knew how to lay down a good whipping. Aren't you glad she whipped you? Darcy don't need to be stood in a corner. Darcy don't need to be given a timeout. 
Darcy needs a rod. Now, I know that may, that may make Brother Dave mad, but hey, in time he'll see it. <laughs> a rod and reproof give wisdom. See, reproof, rod is when you, you get their attention, but then you need to speak to them and you tell them why it was wrong. There's a sad story in 1 Kings 1 6. Adonijah. Adonijah is Solomon's stepbrother. And Adonijah got in his head he's going to be king. No matter what, no matter what, oh, and there's some trouble when you do this. Usher authority. Go away, try to circumvent what God's doing. But Adonijah was like that. You know what the Bible says about Adonijah? His father had not displeased him at any time. You may not understand it, but let me tell you what that is between the lines. He never whooped him. He never whooped him at any time saying, why have you done so? Solomon, who wrote our passage today, put Adonijah to death. You know why? Because a parent didn't do his job. A parent didn't do her job. Can I tell you today, church, so goes the home, so goes the community. So goes the community, so goes the church. So goes the church, goes the country. Where did it fail? What's the problem? One of my favorite memories is a couple of years ago, there was his mother in Baltimore, I believe it was. These, these young folks were rioting. She grabbed that young and up, man. She whooped him every which way. And you know what? Everybody loved it because everybody knew. That's right. If I'd have got her address and my wife wouldn't have been jealous, I'd have sent her a dozen roses. <laughs> You're here today. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, I know some of the emotions that people go through. There's, I don't know how many times the devil's played this thing on me. You failed as a parent. My wife will tell you this. You failed as a parent. There were moments I wasn't home. I should have been home or I was distracted or whatever. Last night Alabama put in a new quarterback. And that boy fumbled the ball on the very first play. <laughs> they have in football a ritual you see everybody patting him on the head, and you know, you want, I want to kick him. You know? I mean, really, I'm telling you. I... But they've got this exercise in football. It's called the mistake ritual. And parents, if you're here today, I want you to, I want you to think about Because tomorrow's going to be a new day, amen? Let's say you did fail. I want you to start over again tomorrow, amen? Don't let the devil beat you down another day. They've got this mistake ritual. One thing is, uh, from a coach, from a staff. Now, all, all coaches don't do, Coach Saban doesn't do this. But it's important. You know why? Because when you come back to that huddle and you've made a mistake over here, you've got the next play. If you're still thinking about that play over there, you come back to the huddle and you're going, man, I can't believe I did. I can't believe I did. I can't believe I did that. You're going to miss the next play. And God's got something tomorrow to do. Amen. So what they do is they do this right here. You know what that means? Flush it. 
Flush it. You know another one they do? It's right here. You know what that means? Shake it off. Or they might do this right here. If you were to look at your heavenly father, I believe he's doing this right here. You messed up, but he's doing this right here. So forgive yourself. And tomorrow you say, hey, you may be a grandparent now. This is what you want to do. You say, God, I want to work with you. Just like Brother Larry talked about that pergo. I want to one day be in a place and say, God did that. <laughs> and I was with him. Amen. So forgive yourself. Go on and Barry and Jessica, y'all bow up. <laughs> y'all got some training to do. Y'all got some lessons to learn. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we just want to thank you for allowing us to come to your house to be with your people. Lord, we thank you that we've celebrated a moment today in the life of one of your families. Lord, we thank you for this church that comes together and they mutually support and love each other. And Lord, I thank you for their pastor. What we, We just desire that our hearts and lives would be like his. Bless him and his family. Lord, I pray that in this service, as we've preached about family and and home, I pray, God, if someone was here today, that they realize that they missed it. I pray, God, that that they'd be able to shake it off and realize it's no sweat to you, but let them do something for you tomorrow. Bless in this invitation. I pray, God, you'll direct, for we ask this in Jesus' precious name.